0: Welcome to the Imago Day podcast with Joseph Terry. My name is Lewis, and I'm here with Joe
1: Terry. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. Always great to connect with you, man.
0: I know, and and today is part two of Maximus the Confessor. We're taking a. <laughs> Do you like that? You like that intro? I love that. I love the intro. <laughs> We're taking a deep dive into the theologian Maximus the Confessor. Uh, you wrote a paper on Maximus. We have a link in the show notes, and today is part two. We take a part. Uh, we take a look at part two of your paper entitled "The Somatic Christ and His Holy Flesh." This mm. was probably my favorite section of your paper because mm. I there was such a there was a paradigm shift in how I viewed Christ and the gospel as a result of of Maximus's uh, teaching and writing. So I thought well, that's great to it, hear. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, I thought we should start off with a definition of theophany because that term comes up a lot. Um, in your paper and um, Miriam Webster defines theophany as a visible manifestation of a deity. So um, as I mean, part two, the somatic Christ, uh, there's a lot of theophany (laughs) there. Yes. yes. And um, so, Joe, why don't you begin by just talking about um, Christ and Christ, the mission of Christ and how Christ was in a a sense, a theophany, a visible manifestation of God, the father? Yeah, that's a wonderful question.
1: Um, well, here's the thing. Maximus is standing in the tradition of the early, earlier church fathers and doctors Mm -hmm. where, uh, he's taking seriously the content of revelation, um, through scripture, through tradition. And, um, He's doing that in light of the best philosophical tools that are afforded him in his current cultural context, uh, namely uh, Aristotelian philosophy, the philosophy of Aristotle, and the tradition that comes out of Plato and and latent Platonism. Um, so when he thinks through the content of Revelation, he has, as, uh, as Thomas Aquinas, the medieval theologian would put it, he will... Uh, have philosophy as a as a servant to theology and and that's really what we see here and so what I mean by that is when when um, Maximus in concert with the other church fathers and doctors thinks about God um, when they think about God rather they they are thinking about it in terms of a rich participatory ontology which is a fancy way of saying of, of that that all all of being participates in God and, and this is something that I explored via the logoi logos uh, doctrine within mm-hmm. Maximus right mm-hmm. that all things that that are subsist in God in in the infinite transcendent one who is as Augustine puts it so beautifully is closer to us than we are to ourselves Mm -hmm. and so he uses the tools of of platonism and aristotelian uh, philosophy to communicate and to tease out the the sort of dialectics that are present in the content of revelation Mm -hmm. present in the narrative of scripture uh, present in the tradition of the church that comes down to us through the century Mm -hmm. uh through the centuries and so And so when, 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 when Maximus thinks of the mission of Christ and, and he just thinks of the person of Christ, he is reckoning with, uh, what scripture says, uh, let's say for instance, in the gospel of John, St. John, uh, chapter one, verse 14, the word, the logos became flesh Mm -hmm. and dwelt among us and tabernacled among us. Right. And so Maximus, again, standing in the tradition of the church, is reflecting on that, and he's he's really taken aback by the the splendor and the grandeur of of this this movement of God who is the ground of all being right God who is the one that is the who is really the god beyond being one may uh or even say that if you wanted to go with a Jean on a uh, perspective um but this one, who is the, who is the, the unconditioned good, the, 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 the ground of all existence, becomes existent, becomes mm-hmm. not just, not, not, doesn't just, as it were, enter into the conditions of time and space and passability, changeability, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but does so in the form of human flesh. Mm-hmm. He comes, as it were, as a human being and, and, and what's, and this is a great mystery, right? That God becomes man, not ceasing to be God, right? God who is beyond all change um, takes onto himself human flesh and becomes a human being and becomes a very real human being. So he doesn't uh, assume the hypostasis or that is to say the person of the second person of the blessed Trinity doesn't just put on uh, human flesh as the, the way we, you and I would put on our clothes, yeah. or a coat, but as it were, uh, is infinitely united to the, to the flesh and becomes this particular historical individual, Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. And so if we sit with the question of, wait a minute, the, the ground of being the unconditioned <laughs> that which is transcendent and, and infinitely imminent, mm-hmm um became finite became mm-hmm. creature we are then sitting with an a profound paradox as as Girard yeah. would say a paradox mm-hmm. of all paradoxes right yeah um and so it's in that context with the sort of philosophical tools, tools that I mentioned in hand and the content of revelation coming to him in in his other hand maximus this this really great thinker this mystic this prayer warrior is contemplating this and is explicating it and articulating the rich theology that comes out of uh this this world uh mm-hmm. that he's sitting with and so That word theophany, as you defined it, or and and that was taken from the from the what did you Webster, Merriam Webster, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and so uh, Keith, would you mind reading that uh, uh, definition again if you have it?
0: Yeah, uh, theophany is a visible manifestation of a deity.
1: Yeah, and and I really like that definition. Um, The only thing I would add, of course, is not that that at least according to the faith of 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 Christianity, Mm -hmm. um, it's not merely a deity. Mm -hmm. Right. In fact, God is not a being among other beings, even though we Mm -hmm. tend to think of God as such. Right. We tend to anthropomorphize God, which all makes sense, uh, given that revelation comes to us in in that sort of language. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality is, is that God is not a being among all all, uh, other beings. He's not an object um, Mm -hmm. of contemplation in that sense. Right. We can't think of God as a being. He is beyond being. And so. Mm -hmm. I would keep that definition except towards the end I would just change it and say, yeah, uh, a theophany is God, (laughs) the unconditioned good uh, being manifest in in Mm -hmm. some way by which God, who is beyond sight, as -hmm. it were, by definition, beyond Mm -hmm. thought, beyond sight, Mm -hmm. lays himself open to the uh, possibility of our perceiving him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's amazing. And and this uh uh is the movement of love that God does this is all for the sake of love, and as Maximus will say, his eternal decree, his eternal desire to be embodied in all things, which which is like really wild and and amazing. <laughs> right? It's like what yeah. like God being yeah. <laughs> embodied in all things. It's like, whoa, yeah. right? And so I, and, and we see elements of that in the old testament. In the Tanakh, mm-hmm. in, in the Torah, where where you have uh, mysterious passages like the angel of the Lord appeared, and let's say the three mysterious figures that appear to Abraham before they go mm-hmm. to Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and and you see these, as it were, presence of uh, these theophanies, mm-hmm. um, uh, 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 actual manifestations mm-hmm. of Yahweh, right, uh, of mm-hmm. of the God who is beyond being. Uh, in ways that either Moses or Abraham can actually see and and, and there's an interesting and I, I kind of play around with this idea in part two of the paper there and Maximus really he's the one who does this kind of work where he re, he sees that the theophany of God does mm-hmm. a a a 2 work one There is an authentic and genuine revelation. There's something Mm -hmm. that is revealed, but simultaneously through the manner in which this revelation occurs, there is also a concealing. Mm. In fact, the revelation of God via the theophany, via, let's say, the flesh of Christ, Mm. infinitely conceals the God that is also being revealed. So you obviously have a play in paradox and a sort of mm-hmm. dialectic here that it would be, it would be, um, I, I would say false to say it stretches our mind. It actually completely undoes uh, thought itself. Thought cannot mm-hmm. contain this. That, that, mm-hmm. and, and this is why even Maximus will say there comes a point where faith is all we possess in order to street, uh, reach into the infinite. Uh, uh, uh in the infinity of this beautiful paradox, right? not mm-hmm. to say that we leave reason behind, right? Mm-hmm. Reason is always a companion that ushers us forth, but mm-hmm. um we also don't want to fall into the to the trap of an idolatrist thinking that that somehow we can get God like oh, I got yeah. it oh, okay i mean that that would be contrary to the very definition of paradox <laughs> right mm-hmm. um, yeah. and so that's that's some of the things that are happening here <clears throat> so just as a i don't know maybe as a sidebar, but it's
0: mm-hmm. like. Do you think that's just by design like this necessity for faith this like leap of faith in of God's existence versus God like (laughs) just I don't know versus God like somehow there's a theop like the theophany of God could have been it could have been done in a way where it was just obvious that it's that it was God right like 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 big man in the sky showing up to the Entire planet Earth, and everyone's like, wow, like that's God. Yes, like, yeah, why? Why? I, I often wonder if, like, if faith is by design, like, why? I wonder why God designed it that way, like, well, designed a, belief in Him
1: that way. That's an amazing question, Lewis. I and I, and it really is because I think that question, um, possesses within it, uh, uh um, <sighs> So many um, potential responses that would mm-hmm. be all uh, correct, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not right. It, it's not that the question is ambiguous. It's just mm-hmm. it's just a very rich and, and pregnant question, uh, mm-hmm. filled with meaning. Mm-hmm. And um, so, <laughs> one thing: uh, the question of design bespeaks mm-hmm. of intentionality, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 God is intentional uh in using the apparatus of faith uh to get us to him mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um we could pursue that um perspective in one sense but what i would actually rather do mm-hmm. is 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 angle it from a different um, um uh, uh uh perspective and consider the very nature of faith, right? Now, the book Mm -hmm. of Hebrews uh, will speak of faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'm quoting here from the classic King James Version. (laughs) You know, that's the Bible that Jesus read. You know what I mean? That's the the only (laughs) real Bible. (laughs) The the substance of things hoped for, Mm -hmm. the evidence of things not seen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. That's faith. Right, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God, by definition, bro, check this out,
2: mm.
1: cannot be seen. Hmm. If I can, now I have here my cup of coffee. Right, that that yeah. I need because I only had a few hours of sleep. And <laughs> right, I, I, my, my sensorium right Mm -hmm. the the empirical senses that i possess notwithstanding the internal senses um as well let's say
2: Mm -hmm.
1: allow me to perceive this cup that is before me but that i can perceive this cup that is to say touch it taste the contents within a cup uh see it hear it right um and all of this um Means that the object that I am seeing is mm. finite. Just it's because finite. you can see it, it's finite. Yeah, right. Okay. Because okay. we already have difficulties. Check this out seeing things that are actually still finite, still mm. contingent, mm-hmm. but at a far greater scale. Mm. Do you have right? any sample? Yeah. So um, in our naked eye, we cannot see the immensity of the cosmos. we need We need telescopes, mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. to see that. And even through our telescopes, we are unable to see the fullness that is the physical, finite, limited contingent cosmos mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and And check this out, bro. even if we pressed it and we said no. Given given the collective data of all of the telescopes that we possess, radio mm. telescopes, optical telescopes, infrared telescopes, bang, bang, right? We like we're, we're flexing our
0: <laughs> a, a
1: astronomical muscles. Yeah, 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 right. Right. It's like now we can map out the universe, mm-hmm. right? And, and we can see, and it's amazing what this is what science does, right? Mm. But even there are collective snapshots of mm. that which is still finite. And what's amazing is that, and any astrophysicist and cosmologist will tell you, uh, the, that which we can see the universe is actually only a small, small percentage because mm-hmm. the vast majority of the universe is made up of dark matter and dark energy, which is completely unperceivable at this moment. Yes. And even, check this out, Lewis, and even if we get to the point of perceiving dark matter and dark energy, mm-hmm. remember, it's still a creature it's still finite it's still contingent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how then can oh. we ever perceive the unconditioned mm-hmm. <laughs> how could we ever perceive the infinite so in one sense the the question that you ask which is why faith the answer to that question is simply this god what what is our definition of god now if god were a big being in the sky Right. Yeah. Like some some zoos or something like that. Yeah. Then perhaps with one day with the finest uh, uh, scientific instruments, we may one day be able to see God. We're like, oh, there you go. You are, <laughs> bro, you are hiding out this whole time, yeah. you know, behind this <laughs> infinite cloud of, of whatever, like some nebula, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I just saw the kingdom of God. No. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because we're talking here a different order of reality. Mm, in fact we're talking about here the one who uh uh is the is the um the one who conditions reality itself yeah so so that that's one way we could we can explore this right so Mm -hmm. so if we ask like why doesn't god just show up like you said like a big dude like coming like galactus (laughs) (laughs) you know like you know just like and and it like the apostles. Silver Surfer and like whatever, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. It, it's all oh, there goes God. <laughs> like you know, yeah, that'll be crazy. He's like, like, nah, like bro, it's still, still, mm-hmm. it would not be God. It would be maybe some, some God, small case G, some demigod some power mm-hmm. cosmic or whatever. But that's not the unconditioned. Wow, this is and and this is the importance of th- of of a proper theology, and so maximus is deeply aware of that right maximus Mm -hmm. uh in concert with the church fathers is 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 fully cognizant of various teachings and doctrines like divine simplicity which we can't really get into right now well you know when we we get to some uh, conversations about metaphysics a couple of weeks from now we'll definitely do that um and participation ontological Mm. participation um and you know he he's he's aware of all this Aquinas, and so that's why uh That's why God is, as uh, theologians and philosophers will say, uh, is essentially invisible. It's not that God tries to hide, uh, like, like oh. And, and it's a great question because we get frustrated, It's like, man, God, like, why does it? Why does God make it so hard mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. Him? Mm-hmm. Like, why is it like? Why can't God just show up? Boom, God, I'm God. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: Even if God were to show up, by virtue of Him showing up, like Christ who is God in flesh, mm-hmm. fully God, fully man, mm-hmm. we can still contest his visibility and wow. question whether or not this is God. Yeah. And, 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 and this, this brings me back to uh, one of the stories that Jesus says he gives us with uh, the rich man and the poor man who's outside the gate. Mm-hmm. And they both die. The rich man who, who, who had uh, material sufficiency, who, but seemed to have never given to the poor man. He's in he's in hell. The poor man who seemed to, you know, he didn't have a pot to piss in. He's in the bosom mm-hmm. of Abraham. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, both, they're both cognizant of their position. The one in hell who was rich on Earth, now poor, as it were, uh, you know, in hell, uh, mm-hmm. uh, sees Abraham in the Great Lake. And he's like, oh, can you just have him like reach over and give me like a little peace, quench mm-hmm. my my fiery tongue? And mm-hmm. Everyone's like, I'm sorry, there's a there's a great there's a great divide. We can't I can't do that. And then he wow. says, okay, oh, can, can, you, can you at least uh, uh, let me go back or, or something to, so I can tell, can I can warn my brothers, I can mm-hmm. warn my family, mm-hmm. right? And it's an amazing story that Jesus says because Abraham says to him, even if you were to be raised from the dead, <laughs> yeah. it would still be insufficient. It would not be enough because they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have scripture. Yeah, they have the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's when the guy says, Oh, but if, if you raise me from the dead and I'll let them, they'll believe if you raise from the dead. He's like, Even if you raise from the dead, they still won't believe, which is very interesting. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So we think, wow, a supernatural display of one form or another, right, mm-hmm. will, will convert the masses. Yeah. Not necessarily, mm-hmm. which, which goes to show the, the kind of sickness we possess in our mm-hmm. fallenness. And it also says something about the infinity of God, which even in his theophany does not not necessitate in a conversion of the one who is perceiving the theophany. Wow. Moses and the people of Israel perceived various manifestations of God, not only in his miraculous outworkings. But even in the shaking of the mountain and the fire and the whole the whole nine. Right. And even the elders of Israel later on in Exodus, they go up and they actually have a meal before a profound theophany of God. Wow. Um, This is somewhere in chapters 21 or 24 or whatever. Yeah. And what happens? These dudes are sitting, bro, next day. They're like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever. Yeah. Bro, you just had a meal and got like God's pride. Like this dude just delivered you <laughs> through the Red Sea. Bro, whose man is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Wow. So even, even if like, just to summarize what you said, yeah. even if God were to today, show up in a profound theophany, it yeah. still wouldn't
1: be enough to convince was, someone right. without faith. Right, right, right. Without faith. Okay. Because faith faith again is a substance of things it's hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And so yeah. what then so then so this is a this is one of the ways in which we can explore the question of faith. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 then Right We can look at it more from the positive end, and we can ask ourselves, what then can faith afford us? Yeah and Faith can afford us a lot. It, it, faith is a kind of knowing um, that allows us to grasp the infinite, mm-hmm. even though we cannot comprehend the infinite, right? Mm-hmm. We can apprehend it through faith, wow. and we can exercise all kinds of things via faith. It's a gift given to us by the infinite, from the infinite other, who is mm-hmm. closer to us than we are to ourselves. mm. Mm-hmm who is the unconditioned good, Mm -hmm. and Christ is the theophany of God par excellence. And this is where Maximus is going because
2: Mm -hmm.
1: when we see the theophanies uh, in the Old Testament and other places, there's a kind of like a shadowiness to it, right? It's like weird, disappears, appears, boom, like God shows up and he shows up via an angel, via Mm -hmm. some other medium, some other vehicle to to, to kind of, right? Mm. But Jesus is fully God Mm -hmm. in flesh, Mm -hmm. in human form. Um, And so to see Jesus, we can uh, say, behold God. Mm. But we must also say, behold man. This is the human being, right? H.A. Homo. Behold the man. Um, And so it's out of this paradoxical union, right, of the infinite God with the finite creature that is human that Maximus dives deep into. And so what I did in this paper and this whole part of the somatic meaning body, right, the body Christ, the body of Christ, uh, and his holy flesh is to tease out just a little bit of the threads of the paradox uh, or the implications of the paradox Mm -hmm. um, that Maximus is taking a real real good look at here. And... Uh, it's just, it's just. Again, he's doing this in light of the content of revelation, with philosophy, the, the 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 philosophical tools in hand.
0: Mm-hmm. So let let's jump into Christ, and I'm interested in in because mm-hmm. we talked about uh, Maximus's uh, theology of the body, and mm-hmm. I'm curious how how the finite man and the infinite God, the type of relationship that that came together through Christ um, in like, how did God incorporate the body in the mission of Christ? Mm. Since, since Jesus was physically on yeah. earth in a particular moment in time, how did God utilize that
1: yeah. while also maintaining his divinity? Amazing. And, and, and just uh, uh, one caveat, or just to add what you just said, mm-hmm. not just on earth. Um, and it's not the case that in his resurrection, he discarded his uh, finitude mm, uh, or, 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 or kind of like his bodysuit. It's like, all right, yeah. I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Like the mission's done. Yeah. Let me just go back into the, you know, right? But yeah. for all eternity, he is embodied
2: wow. in Christ.
1: Yeah. So right now in the very bosom of God, right now in the very heart of the life of God, in the Holy mm-hmm. Trinity, the Blessed Trinity,
2: mm-hmm. there
1: stands a human being like you and I,
2: mm-hmm. pierced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, in the very heart of the infinite is the human being. Mm -hmm. The lamb, as Revelation will put it, that was slaughtered from the foundation of the earth,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, who is also the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? Using biblical language here. And so that's just one thing there, right? So I want to keep the embodiment of God uh, mm-hmm. not as an episodic movement of the second person of the Trinity, but that's something mm-hmm. that continues. Uh, transfigured, indeed, the body is transfigured, mm-hmm. uh, but that, doesn't, that, that, that transfigured body, and this is so important, this is something that I was really driving in the paper, and something I think Maximus does very well, the transfiguring of the body, of the bodily-ness of, of, of Jesus mm-hmm. does not lose its density. Mm-hmm. right okay. um and and we don't need to do much thinking to get this because all we need to do is actually read the scriptures read the bible because mm-hmm. well, what do we have in the resurrection accounts in the resurrection appearance of Christ we have Christ in his glorified state still embodied in fact he was emphatic to show his disciples that he was still embodied and not a ghost, which is the whole point of mm-hmm. Jesus saying, look, this is me, handle me, behold mm-hmm. my wounds. Mm-hmm. This is me. In fact, I know you still are struggling. Give me some pang, give me some bread <laughs> and some fish. Yeah. I'm going to eat it in front of you and we're going to chill. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like embodied, but yet this Christ can appear or disappear at will. Mm-hmm. The doors were locked, the scriptures say, and then he appears in their midst. Peace be mm. with you. Yeah. Right. Then he like flies to space or whatever. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it, disappears. In, in, in the ascension. In the ascension, right? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. movement. So anyway, so so we have that. Now, your question is a beautiful one, right? Okay. So then, what what's the significance of the body now? uh within Maximus's thought, and for Maximus, this is very very um, intriguing because uh, the Maximus again standing in the tradition of the fathers, the early fathers and doctors of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, though he will examine let's say a pericope of scripture or he will examine a particular episode in the life of christ or the incarnation let's say as an event mm-hmm. um he does it always in concert in concert um and and, and in resonance with the rest of scripture mm-hmm. and so maximus is theological rumination about christ and his finitude via the flesh via the incarnation is juxtaposed in maximus's mind i will assert uh with adam think back to adam and eve yeah okay and the goal the providential goal of humanity now what does that mean the providential goal of humanity in other words what is god's will what is God's will for humanity? Mm-hmm. Um, well, what was it? God's will for Adam, for mm-hmm. Eve, mm-hmm. and Maximus will speak of Adam as God's desire to bring about the, as it were, recapitulation and the consummation of all things. Mm-hmm. in Adam, in his, it, 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 and that's really what the human being is, Maximus will play out, that the human being is a microcosm of the macrocosm. That is to say, mm-hmm. the, the, the human being is a world that, as it were, encapsulates the totality of the world. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, now, like, what does that even mean? What are you talking about? Right? <laughs> and, and so then we, we have to go into the anthropology of Maximus and consider, well, how does Maximus think of Adam and the nature of Adam
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and, and humanity, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he will see the human being uh, as a composite creature, not by accident, Right, It's not like the human being doesn't have a body because of the fall, as it were, Yeah, uh, though he'll 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 do a little rift on that. But a careful reading must must really be asserted because mm-hmm. Maximus, and I do this in part one of the paper, will see the mm-hmm. composite nature of the human being as fundamentally essential to what it means to be human. That is to say the human being is fundamentally a body soul composite. You mm-hmm. cannot have the human being human, the human's body without the soul and vice mm-hmm. versa. That's no longer human. So, mm-hmm. when, so when we see uh, a dead, uh, 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 a dead corpse, uh, in one sense, it is wrong to call it a, the body of this person."
2: Mm-hmm. In one
1: sense, right? Even though by parlance and we will do that, like this is the body of this person, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But it's actually a corpse. It's no longer the body of, right? I mean, it is, by virtue of the fact of the resurrection. Right? Mm-hmm. That the resurrection will occur, and and the soul will will will, and the body will be reunited as it were. Okay, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot here, right? I know I'm I know I'm kind of saying a lot uh, because I would have to go back and talk a, about the in, in and and the form of the human being is the soul. Mm-hmm. I have to bring into bring Aristotle's philosophy, and we don't have the time to go all that. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to stress here the composite nature of the human being. Mm-hmm. So, what is the human being? The the soul and the body for, for mm-hmm. Maximus and um, the soul the 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 element the rational element of the human being right along with the density of the human being bodily nature of the human being right mm-hmm. uh, is such that it is a microcosm of the of the cosmos itself it is a world that the whole world is the, the human being as it were and uh, that was our destiny our destiny we were called I'm speaking here past tense as if Mm -hmm. somehow it's been forfeited. It has not been. Mm -hmm. Um, We were called in Adam to encapsulate the world.
0: I'm trying to understand that. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where where does that happen? Like, where does that call happen?
1: (laughs) Right. So you won't, in one sense, find it. In a in a in a the typical Protestant evangelical reading of the Bible, like you just open up a page and you kind of like and cite a is. proof text and be like, "Oh, there it is!" Like in Genesis yeah. two, God said, "Your call is to encapsulate the all the varying uh, ontologies into the ground <laughs> of being right." It's not it's not doing anything yeah. like that, but we see okay. intimations of this, okay. where when God, for instance, and I, I believe it's in Genesis two, uh, where God, for instance, has Adam naming the animals mm-hmm. right and, and and the early fathers and doctors of the church muse richly about that they're like wow this is very deep right that the rational principle in human beings that we're able to name and, and there's a whole philosophical and theological discussion around that the ability to name presupposes our ability to discern the inherent nature of those creatures that we are naming wow and and all of that right so it's very oh, yeah. it's not right we we think of naming as our yeah, but not within the ancient Near Eastern context in which this text is written. Right, there's a whole thing that we would need to really investigate. So, so in the narrative of Scripture, let's say in Genesis, in conjunction with what is revealed in the New Testament, right, in the writings of Saint Paul and Peter and Jesus Himself in His life and ministry, we can deduce that the that the uh, vocation of the human being. Is to be a worship leader, is to sum up all the praise and adoration of all of creation into the singular voice of the collective, uh, of of collective humanity, to offer it to God. And all of this is very obscure and weird until we begin to see Christ, who is the key that unlocks this great mystery. For Christ Himself, who is God, is also fully man. Mm -hmm. And in him, and in his body, he reconciles all of creation unto himself. Mm -hmm. As, as it, as Paul writes on the cross, God reconciles all of creation to him. And we see in Colossians 1, uh, 15 through 21, this, the cosmic Christ who, who, who is before all things and in all things, all things are held together in Christ. And so what we see here is that Jesus is fulfilling In his earthly mission and in his ascension, Jesus fulfills what you and I were called to do. And we get to do it now because guess what? You and I are now in Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is a very, so now, I mean, I could, I could even add that, right? And so Maximus goes there and. and Uh, about that but i i I, i'm really keen on this idea because our desire for transcendence our desire for even bro even comic books okay Mm -hmm. and our desire for powers and the imaginative front of the human being all of this seems to suggest to my mind Mm -hmm. the the ancient call that is embedded within our very dna right Mm -hmm. we long to be super women and super the only problem is, is that when we of these things, we undoubtedly do so through the context of the fall, because we are mm-hmm. fallen, mm-hmm. and so we need our imagination renewed in christ by virtue of the holy spirit and to recognize that my goodness all of these longings and urges and the desires for transcendence and even the erotic desires that are within us and in our bodies because the church fathers will talk about this even the eroticism of our body right and and ecstasy the desire for ecstasy all of this points to what we are actually destined to to do what we were called to do and which we can now do in Christ who fulfills the vocation of what it means to be human so now okay so now we get more concrete we say well, what the heck does okay that sounds beautiful but like what like what is that even bro get me back to the body into the yeah,
2: so, yeah okay so so we
1: <laughs> so the body's so composite rooted in the eternal logo right the elope uh, the, the divine principle the intelligible the intelligibility of the human being is rooted in body so mm. we, we have a rational nature right we have a rational nature which means we have the ability to comprehend the totality of the cosmos mm. in our minds which is fascinating right that, that that seems to gesture towards our makeup our telos our purpose right that we can subsume all things not to lose the integrity of the things that we're subsuming, but to point all things back to God. Okay. Mm -hmm. What about the body? What about the body? And so I explore the context of the somatic reality of Maximus, like this whole business of the body. What does the body do? And it's Maximus will speak of the world. He'll speak of the cosmos. He'll speak of all of creation. In fact, in, in these two terms, the intelligible, and the sensible, the intelligible and the sensible. When you and I think of mathematical objects, like five or nine times nine, 81, right? These are, we could call it, I'm using a philosophical term, this is a technical term, right? Mathematical objects or concepts. Those are, th- that belongs to the intelligible world. If, if I ask you, what is a circle, right? If you point to a circle in space and time, that may actually not be a circle in essence. It may be an intimation of a circle. You, if I draw a circle on the board, on, on the chart board, um, it may not be a perfect circle. For Plato, you'll never actually find a perfect circle on, on, in the sensorium. But that you can conceive of a circle points to the intelligible. So we have the intelligible theory of the forms, right? And then you have the sensible. The sensible world means that which you can perceive with your, your senses. Okay. So you got it, right? So, so that's the world. The world is composed of the intelligible and the sensible. Mm-hmm. For Maximus, the human being is called to sum up all of that, to bring all of it, the sensible and the intelligible, together under the lordship of the human being. Mm,
2: through the this bud. is part of
1: what, this is the part of the call that you see in Genesis, right? Okay. That, that, that human, that Adam, he gives Adam and Eve, you have, you have authority on earth, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you to, to subdue the land, to pretty much till the ground right all of that that you see in agricultural language within the ancient Near Eastern context of Genesis is pointing mm-hmm. to deep metaphysical and theological truths okay and so and so Christ is the one who does it
2: mm-hmm.
1: now the body one can say points to the sensible world where our mind points to the intelligible part of the world
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay it's through our body that we see, taste, touch, smell, hear, feel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I said touch, so feel. There you go. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> probably missing yeah. another sense, right? <laughs> and so the body, now this is where it gets mystical. This is where it gets really deep and really mystical, right? Okay. <sighs> As scientists know. Scientists know. Right. Let me just use a little little physics here, a little 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 science.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: That our bodies. So you you have heard I don't know if you've heard of the famous uh oh. Carl Sagan, astrophysicist. Yeah, I've heard of Yeah, him. right. And and you have, of course, now uh Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson yeah, and yeah. others, right? Who who mm. kind of as it were follow... Someone in the footsteps of saying they were what?
0: considered cosmologists,
1: uh, astrophysicists, astrophysicist. right? Uh, so, the, the marriage between physics and astronomy,
0: okay.
1: Uh, cosmology would be a branch within metaf- in astrophysics. almost said metaphysics. <laughs> cosmology <laughs> is the exploration of the, of the large scale, it's the study of the large scale structures of the universe, okay. Um, shape of cosmos, the early life of the cosmos, okay. Mm. Scientists tell us, Lewis, that our bodies are composed of a number of elements, many of which are heavy elements. Now, this goes into chemistry, right? The periodic tables. You ask the question, where are those, where are those heavy elements made? Which is a very good scientific question. We know the answer to that question. The majority of the heavy elements that compose us and compose many of the things around us are made in only one place in the cosmos. Or rather in, in one instance. Are different instances, but that are all the same. Which is it, the guts of exploding stars. Mm-hmm. Supernovas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Tyson and others like to kind of muse on this. And you've heard the phrase, and this comes from Carl I believe he's the one who coined this term, as it were. That we are stardust. That we are literally made up of stardust. That is mm-hmm. to say, that is to say that the heavy elements that make up our body in and our in and our, and our being our physical being comes from the exploding guts of stars that happened hundreds of millions if not billions of years ago actually billions of years ago
2: mm-hmm. okay
1: um, that scientific lens something that is not afforded to maximus he he's not going to obviously use contemporary astrophysics to think about it yeah. right mm-hmm. uh, he he'll use other uh things Points to how in our very bodies we expand the totality of the cosmos. Wow. That each human being
2: mm-hmm.
1: possesses the, the recipe, as it were, mm-hmm. the soup, the stuff of the universe. Mm hmm. In our very bodies, what makes up your teeth, the gelatin in your eyes, mm-hmm. the, the material of your hair, your skin, all of it, your neurons, right? It, it's, it's the confluence of the totality of the materiality of the cosmos that comes from the deep furnaces of exploding stars. Mm-hmm. Somehow our bodies point to this for Maximus. Um, point to the consummation of all things. and I'm just using a little contemporary physics or science to gesture towards that. Mm -hmm. This is where Maximus is going. Now, Christ, that God assumes, that God takes up in the incarnation, the human body, as it were, is a profound sacramental move. God. God enters cosmos he enters as i talk about in my paper passability changeability mm-hmm. that god who is beyond change and suffering can now change and suffer while mm-hmm. still remaining the unchanging one again it explodes the categories of thoughts there right it's paradox
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so the body is given by virtue of the incarnation new meaning all all bodies all yeah. freaking bodies bro wow. and it's not necessarily new meaning in terms of novelty mm-hmm. because this is what we were called to do from the beginning yeah. mm-hmm. though there is a novelty here because what Christ does is far greater than what any of us could ever have done even if we have not fallen yeah. Which is why many of the early church fathers will speak of the incarnation, not as a move, not as something that God needed to do as a rescue plan, mm-hmm. but was God's eternal intent. God always, from beginning, desired to enter in the most intimate way into his creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could even think very erotically because this is how the mystics will do it. You think of when you um, uh, uh, met Mel and the desire, the erotic desire to become one with her, a mm-hmm. the union. Then you think of marriage night. You think of waiting. You could think of all of this, right? This whole consummation, the whole spirituality behind it, okay. okay? Uh, points to God. And now, there's so much. I know I've been talking a lot here. I um,
0: know, <laughs> it's great stuff.
1: But But it's just... It's huge, and so I'm looking at part of my paper here. I have uh, the enfleshment of God.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The enfleshment of God is it's another way of saying incarnation. is clearly central to both God's salvific, that means God's saving action, and revelatory work, and is also the pivotal step in God's will to be embodied in all things. Yeah. This is also, I submit, key to Maximus's anthropology. While there's human tendency to perceive the body, and its situatedness as fetters, as chains, this is how we typically see the body, right? Like, the soul needs to yeah. be escape the body, right? The body is so limiting. It's so yeah. ill. Like I think of Plato. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. That needs to be thrown off for the sake of transcendence of some kind. Maximus, in concert with the fathers and doctors of the church, see the body and its density as essential in fulfilling human vocation as cosmic mediator. A density that, though transfigured eschatologically, that is to say all of our bodies will will be glorified on that day, Mm -hmm. remains substantive and fundamentally crucial to human constitution. Mm -hmm. This is a profound mystery that is fascinatingly not exhausted by God's very incarnation, but is in fact heightened. There is, for Maximus, an, an interesting dialectic between mystery and revelation through the incarnation, and subsequently passable flesh that spills over in, even into the nature of that flesh, which can see, well, which we can see in the following uh, passage. And so, I quote here: he's, uh, This is a, some, from something from Maximus. He writes: Maximus writes, "He who eternally transcends being." is no less overflowing with transcendent being, for in becoming man, he was speaking Jesus, He was not subjected to human nature, but on the contrary, he elevated nature to himself, to God, making nature itself another mystery, while he remained entirely beyond comprehension, showing that his own incarnation, which was granted a birth beyond being, was more incomprehensible than ever than every mystery. So what, what he's doing in this passage here is he's sh- showing how the enfleshment of God, the incarnation of God, actually, um, yes, reveals, but actually heightens the mystery of God even more. So again, that, that play in the dialectic. And um, he does human things divinely. This is another quote uh, from, from I'm off the top of my head here. Uh, Jesus does human things divinely and divine things humanly. What does this all mean? What does this all mean? Okay, here <laughs> it is. We can no longer think of God divorced from Christ. Mm. We can no longer think of the human being, what it means to be human, mm-hmm. divorced from Christ. Mm-hmm. Let, let, me, let, me, let me say this in a different way. You cannot properly think of what it means to be Lewis and what it means to be Joe and what it means to be a human being.
2: Mm-hmm
1: without simultaneously thinking about God. And you cannot think about God without simultaneously thinking about what it means to be Lewis and Joe. Mm -hmm. Wow.
0: So it's just like, it's like, it's a... Christ became the symbol for all of man. Yes. To think about...
1: Yes. What
0: it means to be man. Okay. Yes,
1: the hermeneutical key. Okay. The interpretive key of not just what it means to be human, but actually of all of reality. We could follow up with some other episodes on this because it, it, it's it, it's hugely rich. And obviously, as you, as you could tell, I'm excited. I get excited about this stuff. But, <laughs> no. And I it's think we said enough. Round. We may have said yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> the episode are going to be like, I don't know, but I got to. Yeah, <laughs> this is like too much. But, you know, yeah, it is.